Hello and welcome to Switch It, the podcast that definitely does a bit more under lights. Yep, England are behind the Ashes 8 ball once again and hoping that the pink ball can save them after going 1-0 down in the series in Brisbane. TV broadcast from the Gabba was interrupted by a power outage on day 4, but they might as well have been showing archive footage such was the nature of another thumping Australia win. England were underprepared and are now under the pump, but all is not lost as our guest pundits Ian Bell and Ryan Harris will explain later in the show. I'm also joined by a man who may beg to differ, in ESPN Quick Info's UK editor and England doomsayer-in-chief, Andrew Miller. And we have the fresh eyes of a Switch debutante, associate editor Alex Malcolm, who according to my research is the all-time leading run scorer in Western Australian grade cricket, which makes him about the most qualified person to come on the pod since Mark Butcher. Welcome to you both, gents. Uh, Miller, you were, of course, up through the night for this. So I suppose the saving grace was that England didn't drag it out to a fifth day. Yeah, I mean, it would have been, it would have been nice to see a fifth day. It was, I, was, I was getting quite geared up for it by the time that, 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 that it would all end on day three with, with uh, Root Milan in situ, the vague prospect of, of, a, of a competitive um, finale to the test, and then normality kicked in again. And... Uh, I don't know. It's all it's all just a bit bleak, isn't it? I mean, there was there was nothing <laughs> nothing objectively wrong with how England performed. I thought that you know they they of course they lost wickets the wrong moments, but I thought they bowled very well. They fought hard. They they showed spirit and adversity. They didn't have much luck, and they got thumped. And you know it, it's you know obviously I am the doomsayer in chief, and uh, they have now <laughs> lost ten tests out of eleven in Australia in the past eleven years. Um. And that this was this was a, a very middling performance in amongst those. It wasn't it wasn't terrible. It wasn't brilliant. It was just just about as good as you could hope from. I mean, obviously from a standing start as well. That is a strong bit of mitigation. But then again, Australia hadn't played for eleven months either. So uh, you know, I thought there would have. I don't know. I thought England might might have been able to just get get into it earlier but you know losing 11 for three in six overs on the first morning um you're, you're behind the eight ball from from the outset aren't you um i don't know the only way is up i uh, in theory but you know, past <laughs> precedent suggests perhaps not yeah well yes um and in terms of sort of seen it all before um maintaining your your interest uh, do you have any recommended methods for for staying awake particularly if you have to mute the commentary Oh my god! I mean, I know, I know, I know it's not the done thing to to take pot shots, but my god, it was just abject, absolutely abject. I mean, it wasn't just that, you know, we can all we can all accept that Australian commentators could be one eyed and all the rest of it, but it was it was the fact that the BT pundits in the studio were spending every every time they cut to the studio were were basically dissing everything that had been said on air. And you know the chaos and the and the cutouts and the and the just the, the sheer budget nature of 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 it all, it, it was just a bit village, frankly. Um, I don't know. I I I know that uh, we're we're living in COVID times and getting into Queens is a bit like breaking out of cold it's, but it's. Uh, I, I felt I felt they, they they you know BT got got a bit of a. A bit of a hurry up there with with the fact that they you know they 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 tried to do this ashes on the cheap and um, I think um, they suddenly discovered that you know sometimes being ten thousand miles away from the action uh, can leave you looking a little bit off the pace. <laughs> well, I think being thousands of miles away from the action is is 
part of the course of Australia, isn't it, given the size of the continent? Uh, Alex can perhaps tell us a bit more about that. Um, nice to have you with us. And, uh, Nasha will be presenting you with your, your poddy green cap in, in due course. Um, were, were my, uh, was my source correct? Can you tell us a bit more about your formative years in Western Australia Premier Cricket? Uh, your source was a little off. I'm definitely not the all-time leading <laughs> run scorer. That's for sure. I'd still have to be playing, and I gave up playing uh, more than five years ago. But no, I played uh, 13 years, I think, or maybe 14 years of first-grade cricket in in Perth and in Adelaide. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of wasted Saturdays um, down to the dumps, having had my pad blown off in the first half an hour of the day. But, no, I, I was very fortunate to play with some great players, actually – had the great fortune of playing with Cameron Green and Alex Carey as well. Um, and yeah, it was a, a great time playing for the clubs that I did play for and had some success. But yeah, ultimately, I, I was a bit of a battler as an opening batsman, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and you, do you have some dealings with uh, Justin Langer, obviously Australia's coach uh, now, but whilst he was in Western Australia? I did, yes. Yeah. So I trained with the squad for uh, for one winter because uh, I played at, um, some second eleven, and it was interesting getting behind the curtain at that time. And <laughs> he was uh, in in full swing as the West Australian coach, really trying to build them up after some some pretty ordinary years. They still haven't won a Sheffield Shield title actually, but they won a couple of white ball titles uh, in the fifty over competition, and he of course led the Scorchers to three titles in the BBL and. He is a, a superb coach. He's a different character and, and very intense at times. And I think his coaching journey has, um, has, has changed. His coaching style, he's certainly learnt a little bit this year from some of the things that have happened, uh, as we know, after the white ball tours of the West Indies and, the, and Bangladesh. Uh, and he's, he's doing a good job. He's sort of taken a step back, far less hands-on. Back when I saw him, he was very hands-on, got himself involved. He even trained with the guys in some of the pre-season sessions. So, um, but yeah, he, he's, I, I don't think he, I don't think he quite gets the credit he deserves in terms of his uh, ability to get the best out of players and really motivate players. And he, he does genuinely care for his players. That is one thing that's probably been lost in his intensity and um, the hyperbole that he tends to roll with when he speaks, but yeah, he, he does care for his players and, and that, that always um, bodes well for creating relationships long term. Yeah, good stuff. Well, we look forward to you dropping in uh, such uh, insider nugget nuggets uh, <coughs> throughout appearances on on Switch. Um, the first test for you did did it go to script, or, or had you been expecting a bit more from England? I think it went to script. Oh, I, my real concern with England is is not necessarily the selection or even the decision at the toss. I've watched a lot of England play this year. Their batting is really, really in a bad place. And when you come to Australia, there's a lot of talk about what kind of attack you need to bring. You need to bring pace. You need to be disciplined. You actually need to score runs. And, and Andrew Miller wrote, wrote the piece today about the losses that England have piled up. If you think about the wins that they've had in this century, they've only won four test matches. And the way they've done it, they've scored big runs. You go back to 2003, the dead test match in Sydney. Uh, they made nearly 400 in the first innings. Mark Butcher made 124 second innings. They made 440, I think. And Michael Vaughan made 187. And then you go to 2010-11, one for 500 to save the game at the Gabba, 600 in Adelaide, 500 in Melbourne, 600 in Sydney. That's how you win in Australia. You very rarely win by not scoring 400 plus in the first innings or 400 plus in the second innings. And 
this team just hasn't been able to do that at all in any conditions this season, uh, this whole calendar year. And having a look even at their overall numbers, there's only th- four players, four English players who've scored more than three half centuries this year, and two of them aren't in the team, Dom Sibley and, and Dan Lawrence. That's, that's a huge concern. And you can bring Anderson abroad in, and they'll bowl well in Adelaide, but if you can't score any runs and you have to win pink ball tests, Australia's shown in the past, Usman Khawaja made a big hundred there to beat South Africa. Uh, Manus Slabashane and David Warner put on 360 to beat Pakistan. Warner made 335 and um, Manus made 162. Like you have to score runs in Australia if you're going to be competitive. And this team just isn't able to put up big scores. I thought Miller might be uh, leading the way with the pessimism uh, from an English perspective there, but Alex, you've hit your stride straight away. Um, <coughs> so both both teams were supposedly undercooked going into the first test, um, but if Australia were staked Tartar, England appeared to be still stood up in the field and mooing. Uh, the Gabatoir soon sorted them out, the hosts completing a nine-wicket win shortly after lunch on day four, and England face having to come from behind to win the Ashes in Australia uh, for the first time since 1954 55. Um, I mean, Alex has delved into some of the recent history there, but we're, we're going back nearly 70 years, Miller. Um, you, you touched on your um, uh, the time spent ranking England's 10 defeats down under since their last win. Uh, where does where does Brisbane 2021 lie in the, the grander context? And, and that includes another memorable slash utterly shocking first ball, depending uh, on your affiliation. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, there, there are some absolute honkers, aren't there? You, you look down, look down the list with Harmison's wide and Strauss's third ball, and obviously that was the one game England got out, of, got out of jail in. Then Phil De Freitas's long hop, which I always think is unfairly maligned, that 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 can happen. It wasn't actually that bad a ball, to be fair. It was just Michael Slater was a preposterous bully and <laughs> just slapped it. But um, no, I mean, it's fascinating though, isn't it? Just uh, you know, the, the, I'm I'm absolutely mesmerised by England's current record because they, you know, like I say, they haven't won in eleven tests. That is a longer period that England have not won in Australia than any time in their dog days in the 1990s. The longest run was 1987, ten tests through to 1995 when they won at Adelaide. That that memorable memorable game when De Freitas again with the bat was was the hero. Um, but I, I, it, it beggars belief that that was that era with my formative era when England were absolutely rock bottom. They were abject. They were useless. They were they were a waste of rations. And yet somehow they would come up with incredible victories. Like like they come up with Adelaide. They come up with Bridgetown in Barbados. They 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 they'd save the test in Jobo. They'd find ways to produce miracles that that, that it made you think that yeah this is this can happen. We're, we're expecting miracles from them right now, but I just don't see any miracle workers. Joe Root is the only miracle worker uh, currently functioning. Poor Ben Stokes, back in the side. I mean, he admitted it himself. He's, you know, he, he, he barely turned up in that first test. He wrote in his, in his mirror column this morning that, you know, the only way is up. But, you know, he'd been out of the game for six months. And, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is extraordinary that even when England were at rock bottom in the 1990s, there was always that sense that, you know, they might turn it on tomorrow. They might actually get it right. I don't get a sense they're going to get it right. I I would I would love to see them get it right on with the pink ball and obviously a lot of a lot of hope is being invested in the fact that now it's going to be two pink ball tests uh you know with um, with with the swing under lights and and the prospect of cooler conditions which might play to England's advantages uh but then you know you look at Australia's record with the pink ball and bowling India out for 36 in the last test um 
I don't see that as a particularly optimistic scenario, frankly. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I am, I'm, I'm in full, full blown doom mode at the moment. But you know, I mean, Alex is spot on. The, the, the batting is such a concern. I was looking down the, the numbers um, at Brisbane because obviously Brisbane is is archetypal England woes. But um, I think they've got twenty eight fifties at Brisbane since nineteen ninety. So it's not that they haven't failed to make starts, but they've only got four hundreds out of that three of them in one innings in that five hundred for one uh, one of them from mark butcher and another test that england saved although rain did help on that occasion uh the rest of the time they're getting getting guys to get in and get out and you know what happened in this test exactly what happened in 1995 when hick and thorpe were 80 odd not out overnight england were 200 for two thinking we might save it and then suddenly they're all out within within a few minutes of the following morning in 2006 um i think it was collingwood and and Peterson both made 90s. Again, didn't get to the 100. They gave England brief hope. Looked like, oh, yes, they've got the measure of this. They can save the game. Oh, no, they can't. They've lost again. Um, and even when Nasser Hussain, his, his, his infamous winning the toss and bowling first test match, um, five of England's top six made 50. Hussain included. And the only guy who didn't, in fact, was Michael Vaughan, who was their player of the series. So, you know, everyone has, everyone has the ability to get starts in Australia. I think that's the one thing you can see from you know Australian conditions it's, it's such a it looks like a great place to bat I mean Alex can speak to that better than I can but you know once you're in it's you know cash in and England don't cash in they 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 get in run out of steam obviously Joe Root has now got what six 50s in six tests in Australia I mean you know his, his 89 was a was a fine innings but um once again fell short of being the 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 decisive massive innings that, that you needed and you know to criticize joe root in this year of all years is 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 cruel but frankly that you know that's what we're coming back to my original point england need miracles and joe root is their miracle worker if he's not getting big hundreds i don't see where anyone's going to get the runs to to get them into this series um in terms of making statements with the bat england england did kind of do that with <laughs> on the first day but uh, alex uh, with you know the sort of um local knowledge uh, here how bad or, or how um a, a contentious a call was that to 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 bat first um having won the toss and and, and you know had the choice and and was was the sort of the the ghost of nasa's 2023 call kind of uh, lurking in the background Oh, I've no doubt the ghost was certainly lurking on the shoulder of Joe Root. But Pat Cummins admitted he possibly would have batted first as well. Really difficult toss to make a decision on. One of the things about the Gabba is interesting. The test wicket tends to be a little bit flatter day one, day two than Sheffield Shield matches. You win the toss in a Sheffield Shield game at the Gabba. The stumps look like they're in the outfield and you send the opposition in. It, it always happens. Um, whereas in the test matches, we've seen that the first two, two and a half hours can be really hard work for the for the top order. But if you're disciplined enough and you're able to defend your off stump and make good decisions on length on and around off stump, and you can work your way through that, then you can really cash in in the afternoon. Uh, but the ball just did plenty and, and England were really tested and, and weren't able to defend their off stump. It was as, as simple as that. They weren't able to make good judgment calls on length. And that's the one thing coming out to Australia is you have to make good decisions on length. You can leave a lot of balls on length. Um, and you know, playing playing at balls fourth, fifth stump outside your off stump is just a recipe to bring three slips in a gully into play. And Alex Carey took eight catches for the Test match because England were just playing at a lot of balls they didn't have to play at, particularly on day one. And the blueprint of how to do it on the Australian side was Marnus Labuschagne. I thought he played the, the best innings of the Test match, 
and he showed how disciplined you need to be when the likes of Robinson and Wokes and Wood just whacked away at a great length for an hour and a half on that second morning. And he barely made a mistake. He played um, very tight to his body. He let a lot of balls go on length. And then when the moments came, when Leach came on and the pressure was off, he was able to attack him. When they got a little bit straight, he was working him through the leg side and he played well with the cross bat as well. So that's how you do it in Australia. And that, that was the blueprint. And unfortunately, the England guys didn't do it. I thought Hasib Bahamid actually showed quite a bit. The challenge for him, obviously, based on his past, um, recent past and, and not a lot of experience in, in Test Match cricket, is converting those sort of 60, 70, 80 ball starts into 150, out here 210, 220, and turning 25 into 75 into 125. That's the next phase for him. But he's certainly getting started and showed... Um, you know, quite a bit of discipline and, and his challenge is, I guess, just pushing through those next phases. And it's so hard against this Australian attack too. They just were unrelenting, weren't they, on that first day? So I do have some sympathy for that. <laughs> Very welcome uh, over here, I'm sure. Um, before we uh, we hear from uh, Messrs Bell and, and Harris and, and then get stuck into uh, the the uh, preview for Adelaide, um, Alex, uh, Pat Cummins captaincy debut uh, quick word couldn't have gone much better really could it I think captaincy is pretty easy when um, you've got the opposition three for 11 and they end up folding for 147 and your team piles up 425 I think the three of us could probably do that job pretty easily no he's you know he's a he's a great leader and he's he's very calm his his big mantra is going to be very calm remain positive even when Root and Milan got going on uh, on that third afternoon. They stayed calm. He was a bowler down, but he he made sound decisions and and made the decision to not opt for Hazelwood and just manoeuvred his bowlers pretty well. Uh, it, everything went right. He'll have far greater challenges in his in his captaincy tenure than than that first Test match, and hopefully a greater challenge comes this week in Adelaide. But uh, he, he's just a good steady head at the helm. Um, and he's got a lot of experience around him. To have Steve Smith as his vice-captain, David Warner's a really experienced player. Uh, he's got a very experienced attack. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty easy gig at the moment, but there'll be greater challenges to come. Time to welcome a couple of special guests with more than 2,000 runs and 57 wickets between them in Ashes Tests. I'll let you work out exactly how that breaks down. Courtesy of Bet365, Ian Bell and Ryan Harris. Good to have you on, gents. Let's get straight into it. Ian, you've been there before, losing the opener at the Gabba. How hard is it going to be for England from here to try and prevent Australia building up ahead of steam and get themselves back in the series? Yeah, which one do you want? 6-7 or 13? Like, there's plenty of those losing one as well. So. <laughs> Whichever's your favourite. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's going to be tough. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, again, I think when my experience of playing Australia here, momentum's huge. Um, so England are going to have to fight really hard to shift this momentum now. Um, if they'd have come away from the Gabba with a draw, there's a, we obviously know what can happen after that. But um, I hope so. I think in general, Adelaide and obviously what's to come in terms of Melbourne, Sydney to come are more favourable for England in terms of, I think, you know, the players enjoy being there. The surfaces are more suiting to how we play. Um, but it's going to be tough. Um, and obviously we needed a bit more support in the terms of the batting unit for Joe Root. I think, again, as we know, Joe's been incredible the last 18 months. Like His level has been so high. 
um, but we need a bit more support there. I'm, I'm hoping we can bounce back really quickly, which actually arguably this test team in the last two years do bounce back from losses quite quickly. They're not the most consistent team, um, but we need to see what they've done in, in other series um, and that needs to happen on Thursday. Well, obviously, you played in 2005 and, and one of the big uh, themes around that series was the mental scars that England carried from so many Ashes defeats over the years and in some ways getting in new players who weren't um, carried carrying that sort of baggage. Do, do you worry that with this team's record um, in Australia particularly, it's now sort of 10 defeats out of 11, um, that, it, that you're beginning to get a bit of a similar situation with England where those, those mental scars are building up again? Um, potentially, but I, I think there's still some young players. I mean, there's some young guys here who have never played in Australia before, uh, you know, and it's their first test match. You know, I do think when I look back at 2005, Michael Vaughan as a leader was very much about, if we're going to lose, let's lose on our, our terms. Let's go out there and throw as many punches as possible and see where that takes us. If we play tentative cricket and you play tentative cricket in Australia, you'll get thumped. Um, I thought we saw signs of that, what Josh Butler was trying to do. He's trying to put pressure back on Hazelwood, Cummins being aggressive. But I think there has to be a whole buy-in by the whole 11 and actually the squad management. You have to be aggressive. You know, if you're going to lose, you might as well do it on your terms. So, look, it's, it's not easy. Uh, Australia are going to have a lot of confidence now. Um, but we're going to need to see a few players step up to the mark. And, and that, that's the best thing about, I think, Ashes cricket is you have an opportunity to do something special. And this group of players, even though it has been a tough time in Ashes cricket in this country and even probably in Test match cricket in recent time, even though it's been in the subcontinent, um, you know, a few players have opportunities to do things, something special. Um, Ryan, uh, you are doubtless aware that you were bold ESPN Crick Info's uh, ball of the century, ball of the 21st century. To, uh, <laughs> to Alistair Cook at uh, the Wacker in, in 2013. That was obviously the first ball of the innings. Um, how did Mitchell Stark's opener compare, do you think, to, <laughs> to your delivery uh, back then? Yeah, well, it was, it was a leg, leg stump half volley. That's the best way to describe it. It just turned <laughs> up too far across, didn't he? But, oh, look, but I mean, that was... Yours, that was, yours was a bit better then. Yeah, oh, maybe a little bit, but no, no I hate talking about it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Um, no, no, look, oh, oh, that was extraordinary. I, I think, you know, there's such a massive build-up to these series. And, you know, you want, you know, from, a, from, a, from a bowling unit, you, you know, you, as soon as you, from when you win, the, you want to know what you're doing at the toss. You focus on what you're trying to do and you're trying to get as early, as many early wickets as, as you can. But to come out and get one first ball, it's, it's, it's quite an amazing thing. I think we saw the emotion on Mitchell Stuck's, um, or his, his actions. I think he, 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 he was talked about not playing in this test match. He copped some criticism from ex-players, which was a little bit unwarranted. So I think, you know, he's, he's obviously gone away and worked a lot on what he's trying to do and, and to come out and do that and then the emotion uh, sort of showed. But it, it sort of, we talk about starting, you know, sessions or test matches with trying to get momentum and, and, and really, you know, using that first hour is always crucial. And, and I guess from a bowling point of view, that's what you've got to do. That's your job. And... Um, you know, you, as I say, you never really expect that first ball. You're just trying to get a ball through to the keeper and, and try and do that for your first sort of six balls. But it was just, it was a phenomenal start. Just again, such a huge build up. Um, and, and at a place where, you know, we, we, we they've tried to move the Gabba test a couple of years, or well, did last year against India. We, we don't want that because we're so good here. And, and we want to make sure, especially, you know, touring, touring sides do find it tough to play here. 
Um, and in terms of kind of Australia's attack, obviously uh, starting uh, with a sort of pitch perfect performance there. Um, and it's the same attack that, that dismantled England four years ago, really. But um, the next test, Josh Hazelwood has already been ruled out um, with an injury. So how big a, a blow is that potentially? And, and um, how do you expect his, his replacement to go if it's, if it's say, Jai Richardson? Yeah, look, I'm really excited for Jai. Um, I've seen him sort of develop over the last little bit, uh, last couple of years. Um, he's obviously had a, couple, he had a bad shoulder injury, which is sort of coming still while well, he's back from. He can bowl. Um, but I'm really excited to see how he goes. He had a, obviously came on came onto the scene with a big bang, taking Pfeiffer, I think, on the boost. So, and, he's, and he's bowling really well. Shield, shield form this year has been outstanding. Um, so really excited if it's him. Um, but to lose Hazelwood... Um, you know, as you said, he he he, he tormented um, the English over in, in, in England 2019. Um, you know, he, he he just showed how good he is. Again, bowling on a on a you know on a good wicket, he gets his bounce. He's always at you. Um, he's always you know asking questions of you, and so to have him out is is massive. So um, it, it, look, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. And you take him out of a Test match, a pink ball Test match, that his figures are, are unbelievable as well. So it's a big hole, but again, it's and Jai coming in, if it is him, there's another one that might potentially get a look in is Michael Nessa, who, again, um, not as quick um, and doesn't get the steep bounces as um, as Hazelwood, but can swing it and move around. And, and, they, and there's probably the pink ball test is probably a, the, the best one for him to play. So it's uh, it's, it's a big, big hole. Um, but again, I, I'm comfortable with one of those two guys that, that can go in and do a, a, still do a really good job. Um, Ian, uh, selection issues for England. Um, obviously, the, the big call was was no Anderson or Broad um, at the Gabba. W what was your view on that? And do you think both will play in Adelaide now? Uh, it was a bit of a shock for one of them not to play. Um, I don't. I didn't think both would play just from the fact that how England have managed them abroad for the last 12, 18 months anyway. Um, you know, rarely, unless it's under lights, I think against India, that they both played together abroad. So there's obviously been a rotation uh, sort of policy abroad and at home they do what they do with the Dukes ball um, so I think it was a surprise um, I'm just trying to figure out how they both play at Adelaide because I'm not going to drop Robinson you know I thought he was brilliant um, Wood might rotate that seems to be that he doesn't play back-to-back -back matches and they probably would have looked at you know the Gabber and, and probably Perth the Wacker would have been the two venues he plays and maybe they pick one of the other three um, so I think that's one spot that comes in. I, I think Wokes will play purely the fact that do we have confidence that we're going to score enough runs? And if both play, that means Robinson at eight. Is that enough? It leaves us quite vulnerable uh, from eight down. So I only see there's really one slot unless you leave out the spinner. And I'm not a fan of leaving out the spinner in a test match. Um, you know, England need to score 500, 450, which means the spinner will come in at some point. Um, you know, and obviously Joe can do a, a second, I suppose, a string spinner role, but I, I don't see how he's going to bowl Australia out or get a three foot to, to break it open. So I see one of them playing unless they leave out a Wokes or a Robinson, which for me would be a, a massive shock because I think we've, we, we have talked a lot and, you know, the seam bowling actually was really good through that test match. That wasn't the issue. Uh, Australia's tactics to Leach was brilliant. Um, and we didn't score enough runs first innings. So actually the seamers don't deserve, they deserve another crack. And on the spinner front, is there a, a chance for, for Bess uh, to come into the equation there? Well, it, well, if it does, we're doing what we've done, I think for the last 12 months and it's 
Leach plays one, Best plays one, and then we go keep going around in, uh, in circles. So for me, I think Jack Leach, and he has been for the last two years since the Ashes in, in the summer, he's, been, he's our best spinner. Um, but I think what happens at the moment is Best plays because he's a better batter than Leach. So when we feel vulnerable with the bat, we play best. But for me, that's not the reason why you play your spinner. You don't play a spinner because he's a better batter. You play the best spinner. Uh, and I think in the last 12 months, 18 months, Leeds should have played a lot of cricket, if not every single game for England. And he might be in a slightly more confident position. That doesn't say that what happened this game wouldn't have been any different because I think the tactics and the amount of left-handers they have. And to be fair, Leeds, had no runs to play with. And day two was arguably the best day to bat as well. Um, it's just the fact that we keep playing. It's just like there's no consistency in the spinner. And, you know, having seen... Swanee, when he burst on the scene, it was he became a world class bowler from playing cricket day in, day out, and having the belief and the, I suppose, from a understanding from the captain, the tactics that you're going to play, um, which makes a difference. It feels like the spinners at the moment, a little bit like we've had players, they're sort of making their debuts every time they play rather than stringing games together, which I think they need. Um, Ryan, on, on the uh the conditions for a day-night test in in Adelaide. Um, we, we, suggestion being that it might might favour England, you know, might bring them into it. But Australia have a formidable record in these games. I think they've won every day-night test they've played in, uh, you know, in, at home um, in Australia. And last year they bowled India out for thirty-six. So do England really stand much of a chance uh, in this game? Oh, I, I think they do. I, and I, off the top of my head, I, I don't remember the last test that they played. It was, it was quite close, I thought. Um, the last time the day-night test was the Ashes test. But I, I do. I think the conditions are going to be suited, more suited to them. Um, I, I think I, I'm with Belly. I, I think it's going to be hard to put those the two old boys in there, I guess. And I've kept on them old. They're not that old. But, um, you know, Brody and Anderson, I, I think they have to play. But it's, it's a tough... Line up to get in with the bowlers doing the job. Though. I thought they bowled really well, so I think it's 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 sort of probably close to the in, in England's favour. Definitely, it's going to be. And I know I've seen I've seen Anderson bowl the pink ball. He, he he's very good with it, like he is with the red ball. But um, the conditions are all they're a little bit different. It's a pretty good wicket still in Adelaide, but just around that dust time when the sun starts to set, um, it, it's it's it somehow just the grass stands up on its end and it starts nibbling and and, and swinging. So. A lot of teams will try and bat that first day, and if they bat well enough, get through that, and then bat to the second stage of the next day where that where that dust comes in, and it gets really it's really hard to start. And you talk to a lot of the batters; they they feel as though if they've been in for a while around that time, sometimes it's almost like starting innings again. So conditions will definitely suiting on probably a bit better, but or not better. I wouldn't say better, but it, it, it's going to suit them. Uh, and again, I think I think the, the the massive dilemma for them is that is their, their team because I actually thought their bowls bowled pretty well. They just they created some chances. I just think that, you know, the, our guys, um, Warner and, and Labuschagne, just left the ball really, really well. And But I still think they created enough chances. So it's a tough, tough thing for them to, to have to change. Um, and it's it probably wouldn't change, but you've got 1,100 wickets sitting on the sidelines. So you're going to have to make one change, I think. When you put it like that, it's pretty tempting, isn't it? Um, and yeah. just uh, quick fire predictions to finish with, really. Uh, is it is it all one-way traffic from here or will England find a way to end that winless streak in, in Australia? Uh, you can go first, Ryan, as, as you're 1-0 up. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not if I'm being totally honest. No, but I, I think, from, as I said, I think we we want to see a good series. But um, 
and I'm sort of a tongue in cheek when I say that. Now we want to see a good series. There's no doubt about that. But I think if, if the Australians are sitting there now thinking it's one way traffic, that, that that's a big that's a big error. In these in these big series, we we know the English are a good side. There's no doubt about that. And they've had a bad game, so be it. But um, India had a bad game last year. When you said bowled out 36, they came back and won the series. So I, I'm hoping, and I know that Australia would have learnt from that. So it's still it's still game on. There's no doubt about. It. There's still four Test matches to go. We're still so far in. Not even sorry, we're not even that far into this series yet. And the other thing I'm sure that that England would think about if they can get through this and win this one. They can get through Melbourne. Melbourne and Sydney aren't they're, – they're pretty good wickets and get to Hobart, again, with another day not test. If they're going into Hobart to all or whatever it is, whatever, it's going to be that's, – that's going that's game on because they're going in conditions again. That's, that's, it's a lot, a lot of sort of English conditions. Game on, Ian. <sighs> right, okay. Um, look, I think that England have to believe – I think – recent record probably said this is a slightly different Australia team than teams in the past. I think if you'd have asked me if a team's gone by, I think I'd be worried. I think that what India have showed recently is that you can come back in Australia and those nerves will still be there. And even just being out in Australia now and speaking to guys around me, there's not as much confidence as maybe of teams in the past. So they have to lean on that, but they're going to have to start really well in this test match. They have to. Um, and even just the body language isn't, you know, and normally for me, you're always listening to Nathan Lyon make a prediction. He's a little bit quieter, which suggests to me that, again, one of their energy guys is a little bit more, let's play it down a little bit, which I think, you know, England have to lean on that. Um, and as a real positive for this team, even though it's not the most consistent England test team we've ever seen, but what they do do is they have come back from losses quite well. Joe Root does a really good job of keeping them level, getting them to go again. So I think... I hope, my heart's saying, I hope so. 1-1 one, one, one would be perfect. But as Ryan has said as well, actually, now the gap has gone and there's no Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney and Hobart, England shouldn't be overly awed about those situations. Um, but if they're going to do it, day one has to go England's way and it has to go our way uh, amazingly well. Uh, well, we will uh, we'll be watching it keenly as uh, no doubt you both will too. Thanks very much. Uh, chaps, we look forward to hearing more from you both as the series progresses. Now then, the first test might essentially have been their warm-up, but England are 1-0 down in the series and need to summon a response in Adelaide. Miller, Ian Bell isn't sure that England are carrying mental baggage from their repeated floggings down under, but uh, what's your view? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I've obviously banged on a lot about the 1990s comparison and clearly a big part of, of, of that 2005 victory was about sort of getting over that mental baggage that, that had accumulated over the, over the previous 10 years of floggings. But the big difference with this, of course, is that England have got a very good record or, or, or comparatively good record at home against Australia. They haven't lost the series since 2001, even though, you know, they, they, they didn't win it uh, last time out. But, you know, when you've got someone like Ben Stokes performing miracles at Headingley and, and you know, Joe Root's got respect and, you know, Anderson has, uh, and, and, uh, is Anderson and Broad's got his, got his wood over Warner. So there's, there's enough guys in this current England team who have got enough good memories of good times against Australia. So it's not entirely similar. But, you know, when it comes to, comes to a place like Adelaide or, you know, not going to Perth this time, but, you know, going, going off to places where they've, where they've been battered on so many so many previous tours it's got it's got to stack up surely you know the moment it starts to go wrong even someone like James Anderson you know you look at his 
his record for all that he's a formidable campaigner and England's greatest fast bowler, his his actual record in Australia over the course of five tours is woeful. He's got he, well, he's won three three tests. I'm trying to work out how many he's lost. It must be at least fifteen, I think, at least. Probably more. I, I, I may I may be underselling him. Um, but, how many he played in six seven, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah, roughly that. So you know, it, it, there's a, that's a lot of beatings, regardless <laughs> of how good you may be. So you know, does your does your head start to go down after 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 a while? Maybe it does. Um, maybe that's why you know that it, there's not that sense that they can drive on to the absolute heights that the 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 2010 team were able to achieve because you know, as you say, there, there is this big worry about their batting and if their batting cannot find a way to rack up 600 they're not going to get a toehold in these games so um the one advantage though and it has to be said is is being under lights if being under lights does mean that bowlers on both sides come into it it means the batting is less important if anderson can bowl really well and bowl australia out for 200 and then england bat really well and still get bowled out for 200 then, then suddenly we're in a battle um you know if england can bat really well and get 300 they, they'll be ahead um, but I don't see any. I, I don't really see an, uh, a scenario whereby England can take the sort of two hundred seventy-eight run lead that Australia took out of Brisbane, for instance. I, I don't. I don't see that it's going to be that sort of uh, breakdown of, of scores. If England are going to win any of these tests, I think they'll be sneaking them by by uh, three, four, five wickets rather than uh, bulldozing by an innings and ten wickets. Uh, yeah, I, I expect the bulldozing will be in one direction, um, <coughs> if there's any to be done. Uh, of course, in Adelaide, four years ago, they did succeed in, in skittling Australia um, in the second innings, but Australia scored 400 in the first innings. So um, uh, back to Alex's point. Uh, I mean, it, it sounds like um, from the England camp that, uh, that, I mean, the signs are that Broad and Anderson will return. Um, slightly contentious uh, decisions uh, in leaving both out in uh, the Gabba, of course. Uh, that then brings uh, the question of who who they might leave out. Um, Alex Ian Bell spoke a bit about uh, um, his view on on playing a spinner, uh, and, and he um, suggested that Leach remains the best man for that job. Um, Australia obviously took him down in, in quite a deliberate way. Um, at the Gabba, what what is the the role you think for spin um, at, at Adelaide? Traditionally, a good place to bat, but um, the, the pink ball and the lights kind of um, th- throws that up in the air a little bit, I guess. I actually went through some numbers in terms of spinners in pink ball tests in Adelaide. Yeah, research, wow, this is uh, raising raising the bar in, in all departments. <laughs> well, the thing the thing that needs to be remembered here is, and, and Damien Hoff, the curator, will talk to this tomorrow, but since they've started the, the day-night test back in 2015, they've actually left a lot more grass on that Adelaide surface, and it's now mm. a drop-in wicket, actually. The old Adelaide wicket was the flattest thing you've ever seen in the history of mankind. And it was, uh, it was pretty tough for fast bowlers there and spinners tended to come into it on, on day five. But because of the nature of the pink ball itself, the kookaburra pink ball, that is, they need to leave quite a significant number, almost double digits millimetres of grass on the surface so that the ball stays good for the entirety of the 80 overs before they change it. And you can, it's borne out in the numbers, really. So Nathan Lyon's taken 19 wickets at 25 in pink ball tests, which is pretty good. He's got five for 69 against Pakistan. But even in that test, he wasn't needed in the first innings. Um, and I think he's taken a four-wicket haul against England as well. And then Ravi Chandran Ashwin actually bowled really well last year. In the twilight, he took four wickets in Australia's first innings when they were really struggling 
um, and he took five for the match. But outside of that, um, Mark Craig, Mitchell Santner and Tabraz Shamsi have taken two wickets apiece and then there's no other spinner who's taken a wicket in an Adelaide pink ball test match in five versions of it. So in essence, they're not really required. And I even had a look at the only shield game that was played there this year. It was a red ball game, quite a lot of grass on the surface between South Australia and Queensland. Uh, I don't think a spinner took a wicket in either first innings and Lloyd Pope took two in the second for South Australia and Matt Kuhneman, who's actually been in outstanding form as a left arm orthodox for Queensland. He only took one wicket as well. So if there's any test to not play a spinner, this is the one because the really um, the opportunities there for the quicks to uh, make an impact the whole way through the 80 overs that the ball will still move. It should, it should seem and it should swing if there's enough grass left on the wicket. And even last year when India were bowled out for 36, that was in the daytime. It was in the first session or the afternoon session before the twilight. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is there is an opportunity there based on the numbers for England not to play a spinner. There we go. Roots holding spin uh, can do a job, it seems. Um, Miller, it's going to be Roots um, batting that is is uh, more important here, though. Uh, you've talked about uh, the miracle workers in the side. Rooten and David Milan did point the way for England um, for, for maybe a session, a session and a half uh, at the Gabba, p- putting some pressure back on Australia. Um, but the, the, the wait for an Ashes ton in Australia goes on. Um, Joe Root uh, now has, has played, um, what is it, something like uh, 10, 11, 12 tests in Australia um, and has got good starts, got some good numbers, but um, but not got three fig- to three figures yet. And, and you think he's going to want to get that sorted uh, pronto? I think, he's, yeah, he's got to. There's no two ways about it. He's, he's in such... He's in such- Incredible form. He's already overtaken Michael Vaughan's tally for for most runs by an England batsman. It's not impossible he can overhaul Mohammed Yusuf. He's got what two hundred runs to to get to reach that seventeen eighty eight mark, which is not inconceivable with with potential of four innings to come. Uh, it's it's on, and if 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 anyone can, he can. But he's got to. It, it, I don't I don't see how England find the runs without him. Um, ben Stokes, as mentioned, he's he's coming back. He's a, he 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 is he's a he's got he's got the mentality to 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 get it, but has he got has he got the game time? Uh, David Milan, I I was impressed by. I I think um, as I said, I think the last time out, he's he's a he he's a guy who I think, you know, he's got the chops for these conditions. As Ed Smith said, infamously in twenty eighteen, you know, his 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 game may be better suit better suited to bouncier conditions overseas, and so it proved. He's uh, he's got a very compact technique. Albeit he flirts outside off stump a little bit, a little bit too much. But uh, you know, when his when his when his drive is fluent, he's, he he looks a million dollars. So this is this is the weird thing about that first test. There was there was in isolation. You take take little bits from every every facet of the game, and England actually put together a decent game. They had, as I said, we haven't really talked about the bowling yet. I thought Mark Wood was outstanding. Whether they can risk risk him again in back to backs, TBC, um, you know. I thought even Joss Butler, the way he batted in that first innings, was about as good as I've ever seen Joss Butler bat in a in a in a limited period in a Test match. He just he just came out and and thought, you know what, I I've got the measure of these guys in in white ball cricket. I'm going to bat as if I'm in a white ball test white ball match. And lo and behold, for a few overs, he was creaming it. Even Josh Hazelwood, who who no one else could lay a bat on, he was he was battering through the covers. It was it was. It was encouraging, and it, it, again, it comes back to that point: do do they have mental scars? I'm not sure they do in the same way. 
uh, but they will start to accumulate if if they don't uh, find a way to turn this around and and as as I keep coming back to I just not convinced they've got the the overall resources to put together the sort of sort of showing required to to tip over Australia who know exactly what they need to do in these conditions and generally do uh, just just on the bowling as you mentioned it uh, um uh, and those selection decisions, uh, you know, Anderson and Broad coming, you, you think would strengthen any team. Ollie Robinson was very impressive in his his, his first overseas test, but he was he appeared to be a little bit down on gas, should we say, towards the end of um, Australia's innings. Uh, I mean, would you be uh, picking him again uh, in in Adelaide, and you know, expecting him to to be able to carry out that sort of workload throughout the series? Um, Mark Wood is is a man that we know needs looking after, but but how do you think Robinson is shaping up for the the toil of a, of an Ashes campaign. I've got no concerns about Robinson. I think he'd be absolutely fine. Um, I mean, yeah, he was a little bit down on gas. He probably, you know, by that by that final final stint, he was probably feeling it a bit. So again, first gallop for a long time for these guys. You know, they're going bound to bound to bound to feel it in their hammies and on a hot hot day when it's uh, when cramps sets in and all the rest of it. But uh, you know, as mentioned before, you know, Gus Fraser's lack of out-and-out pace never never held him back in Australia. It, it, when you when you get the ball on the right area from a from a nice high trajectory and repeat it, you know, lack of outright pace never held back Glenn McGrath. I mean, you know, we're talking talking similar similar sort of styles here. I mean, if you can emulate Glenn McGrath, then that'd be incredible. But what he's doing at the moment is doing the best impression of Ollie Robinson. We know what he can do. He's he's got a very very good good technique. He's got a very good rhythm. He can land the ball in sixpence and repeat it. And I don't I don't mind if he's if he's bowling at 117 clicks or 130 clicks. You know, as long as he's beating that edge regularly, that's all that really matters. So I've got no concerns about him. Um, Wood is the is the is the is the absolute diamond in this in this attack for for England. And I just I don't. I don't think England can risk him in this test. I think they've got to they've got to give him a break now and you know try to get back into the series without him rather than throw everything they've got into this test risk breaking him and then not have him for three tests. It, it, much better to rest him now, get him get him through to uh, get him through to Melbourne, play there and then take a view you know, is he is he looking good to back that up for back to back or do they need to give him another break and then play him three times? Play play him now and and wreck him for the whole series and and England got no hope because he he was the point of difference. I mean you just just had to look at the way that I mean Warner had a bit of a chancy ninety four, but it was only chancy because he got given the hurry up. I mean he was he was looking reasonably composed until Wood came into the attack and then suddenly he was being beaten outside the off stump and you know that angle into his body was was messing him up and every time it was wide out, outside his eyeline he was flinging the bat at it because he was like right I got to got to cash in here because this guy is 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 genuinely hurrying me uh, and no one else can do that in England's attack and um, you know this comes back to the the best laid plans that are the, probably the worst laid plans now that you know having Joffre Archer and 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 uh, Ollie Stone and Mark Wood and all these all these all these and even Ben Stokes frankly and a fully fit Ben Stokes has got gas that, that some of the other bowlers don't have it was the it was a good plan uh, back in back in the mists of 2019-20 when uh, when England were vaguely thinking about how to attack Australia They've got to change that plan. And going back to Broad and Anderson is, uh, you know, it's nice to have the old stages to to lean on. But um, you know, I refer to refer to my previous comments about their their records in Australia. It, it, it's not actually that flash, and they're not getting any younger. So to try and expect them to be the miracle workers that we all know that England are going to need to get something out of the series, I think it might be 
asking too much for them. That said, Anderson's probably going to get a first day fiver on, on, in the twilight <laughs> and prove me wrong. But uh, England can't just rely on on their great players being exceptional every time they go out, go out to the pitch. Sometimes they've got to accept that, you know, they're going to have off days. And when they have off days, you've got to have backup. And the trouble is at the moment, when England's best players have off days, the, the, the worst players don't have good days either. And, and then they get thumped. <laughs> There's a, a, an impressive uh, amount of doom being uh, ladled on here for after one test of the series. Um, we've talked a lot about England, uh, perhaps because despair is so much more interesting. But Alex, uh, Australia, you know, they came into this um, series with some question marks around their own form, mainly because they haven't played any test cricket in such a long while. They lost their previous uh, outing at, at the Gabba, uh, as um, as we all know. Um but this was a pretty comprehensive performance, and they, and they were perform they were you know players um, uh, making contributions that uh, that England may not have been so worried about in the in the the lead up. The man of the match was Travis Head um, with without one hundred and fifty two, and then your your fellow um, Subiaco uh, Floriat homeboy uh, Cam Green uh, with some big wickets there. His first in Test cricket. Yeah, he he's he's going to be a superstar. I think people just need to give him time. Um, it, it's an amazing set of skills that he's got and he's had that since he was a teenager uh, and he just needs time with his body it's interesting with his bowling so he burst on the scene as a 17 year old took five wickets in his Sheffield debut against Tasmania actually knocked over the current chairman of selectors George Bailey in that first opening spell uh, and he took two five wicket hauls I think in his first six or five maybe Sheffield games and was averaging 20 with the ball at that stage but he's had four sets of stress fractures in four years. So he's had a similar path bowling-wise to what Pat Cummins had in his teenage years. Burst onto the scene as a 17-year-old in first-class cricket, played test cricket, Cummins did at 18 and then broke down. But Cummins went into the wilderness between 18 and 23. But because Cameron's such a good batsman and he's averaging 50 in first-class cricket, he's made eight first-class hundreds in the last 15 months, I think. And, and he's earned his spot as a batter in the test side he's actually had to do the remodeling that Cummins did away from the limelight and away from the bright lights uh, on his action. He's had to do that whilst he's still been playing in, in first class and test cricket. So that's been the challenge for him, but I thought he bowled really, really well um, and, and showed even with a 70 overall ball that the extra pace and bounce to knock over a player like Joe Root. I mean, that that's a rare set of skills. And the Aussie guys were talking about it after the game. Nathan Lyon made a point. He said, oh, I was standing at point and I know what the trajectory of Cummins and Hazelwood and Stark is and how that flies through to the keeper. Cameron Green was the equal of that. And he's a top six batter. So it's a pretty pretty impressive prospect they've got on their hands. But I think people need to give him time and need to uh, not expect too much of him. I think the, the full body of work um, will, will come to fruition in, in four or five years' time. But Travis Head was a really exciting um, success story for Australia. It was a toss-up between him and Usman Kawaja. They went with the younger man. Um, he he has an ability to just get started. That's one thing he does have that a lot of the other guys don't have. He can always get started. Yes, he's loose. Yes, he gives you opportunities in those first 20 balls, first 25 runs. But once he gets away, he's proven over the last 12 months that he can convert his starts into big scores. His last six first-class hundreds, including this test hundred, he's converted into 150 plus. And previously, his, uh, his previous 12 first-class hundreds, only two of them were 150 plus. So 
he's really maturing. Uh, he's working hard on his technique. He's still going to get out in really weird ways. He's done that in chill cricket this year. He's going to do that in test cricket. He's going to play some horrible shots at times where opposition fans, opposition teams, and even Australian fans are going to go, how come we've got this guy batting at five? Like he will play some terrible shots, but uh, he's so dangerous and he's really difficult to bowl to when he's up and going. And I mean, some of the shots he hit off Ben Stokes were contemptuous. He was drop kicking him over mid off uh, for, for four and that flick off Mark Wood for six over, over deep wide fine leg was extraordinary. And he, he also... Um, eviscerated Jack Leach as well. So, yeah, plenty of positives for Australia. A lot, a lot to like from those two players in particular. And, uh, I mean, it was a long wait. He was looking a little bit flat by the time it came. But uh, Nathan Lyon finally uh, became the third Australian to 400 test wickets. Um, do you sense he'll have his mojo back for the rest of the series now? He, he has been a, a tormentor-in-chief against England uh, over recent Ashes. Yeah, it looked like a, a monkey off the bat, didn't it? Or more like a, um, a mountain off his back, to be honest. He'd been carrying that weight for a long time and uh, he hadn't really bowled all that well over the last couple of years. But I think the, the weight of that milestone and, and the fact that Australia has really played has been difficult for him to really get some rhythm and get some reps in test cricket. I actually didn't think he bowled that badly last year against India. He had, a, he had no luck in Sydney. If a couple of chances were taken behind the stumps off his bowling, he may have spun Australia to victory in that game. He may have got to the milestone then and Australia wouldn't have lost that series and, and they wouldn't have had the sort of tumultuous 11 months in terms of the questions around their test form that, that eventuated. But yeah, I thought he bowled really well to Milan in particular on day three when that partnership was going. Obviously got him out too, but they didn't appeal for that court and bowl that bounced off the pad onto the glove back to the bowler and Milan said, oh, I, I definitely love that. Um, his biggest challenge in this series is not going to be most of England's lineup. It's going to be Joe Root. And he mentioned it in the after-match press conference. Root really played him well and played spin as well as anyone. And we saw that in India and Sri Lanka earlier this year. And he, he will enjoy facing Lyon because it's respite from the Australian pace attack, particularly from Cummins and Hazelwood if he comes back for the, for the next three tests. But uh, So the challenge for Lyon is not just trying to get Root out, but actually containing him and to force uh, him to do things uh, to score against him because that's root scoring opportunity in this Australian attack. And Lyon needs to find a way to contain him and pin him down and, and see if he can force a mistake from him. Because I, I agree with Miller. I think he, uh, root could have a huge series. I think he could score runs in both innings in Adelaide. He's going to love batting on that surface. I still think he's going to score a lot of runs. And he is the one big threat to Australia if, if it's a... As, as Miller mentioned, if it's a lottery of a game where it's 250 plus 250 plus 250 or 200, which was against India last year, then Root is the key because he's the one who's going to underpin the score of 250. And so that matchup is going to be really fascinating. And Lyon knows that he has a, a very important job to do. No pressure on either man there then. Um, there was... Uh... There was no respite for, for England elsewhere uh, in Brisbane with the Lions uh, crushed by Australia A in their uh, first class game. Um, Miller, I was going to say that uh, confirmation of, of the fifth test going to Hobart and being a day-nighter might be viewed as a, something of a lift for England, or, <laughs> although in keeping with the, the general tenor of comments, is that perhaps just because it might help them avoid a whitewash? Well, I mean, you know, not playing in Perth has got to be good for England because Perth is like playing on the moon. Frankly, England England have absolutely no idea. I've never had any idea of how to how to um, 
how to cope with you know obviously alien conditions are one thing but playing in perth is 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 taking it to a next to the next level where england batsmen are concerned so not being in perth has got to be a good thing but that said england's record in perth is what they've won one once in 14 they've lost their last eight in a row it's pretty much the same as their record across all of australia in the last um last 11 years so um i think I I do, in spite of my doom, I do think that two pink ball tests is good for England in that it is, as, as Alex just said there, you know, it's more of a chance of a lottery. It's more of a chance of unfamiliar conditions for Australia, more of a chance for for the ball to dominate in on both innings. So, you know, it's got to be a good thing. And, you know, going going somewhere... Going somewhere new, you know, it, it's not, you know, it's not as if Australia don't play there either, but not, you know, an Ashes test in, in Hobart is going to be something different. I mean, it, changing it up, I think, is probably probably as good a chance England have got to um, upset the apple cart. So, yeah, I'm, I am I think if they can, you know, this is why this is why it comes back to my, as I wrote during the test match, it struck me as, a, as mixed messages when England decided to, to leave out Broad and Anderson and then also bat first after winning the toss. You'd have thought it seemed as though they were sort of hedging their bets to try and load their their key weapons into Adelaide, sort of targeting Adelaide as the one test they could really win, which kind of implied that we're going to try to get out of Perth, get out of Brisbane without losing. And surely the best way to get out of Brisbane without losing, as NASA was trying to do back in the day, is let let Australia have first hit and um, you know, take time out of the game by by being in the field for a while and you know hope that we can keep pace with them, get a bit of rain, get 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 out with a draw and, and go to go into the day night test nil nil, um, with with all to play for. Um, hasn't quite worked out like that and you know precedent suggests that you know going behind as, as mentioned at the top, you know, England haven't won in Australia since uh, Len Hutton in nineteen fifty four five after losing the first test. And that was thanks to Frank Tyson. So uh, no pressure, Mark Wood. It's 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 all on all on furious pace now to try and try and get them back in. <laughs> well, best laid plans and all that. Um, exactly. <laughs> as, we've, as we've seen with this tour repeatedly. Okay, we will leave it there for now. The second test begins at four a.m. UK time, which should provide decent watching for the twilight witching hour. Adelaide is, of course, known as the City of Churches, and we'll soon find out if England have a prayer in this Ashes series. Thanks to Miller and Alex, and to you all for tuning in. You can stay up to date with all the latest news on ESPNCrickInfo.com.